Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Servants of Grace podcast and to our theology segment. One of our listeners writes in today and they have a great question. And the question is this, what is idolatry and why does it matter? You see, idolatry is serious business in the eyes of the Lord. He demands absolute allegiance from the people of God. There is no other God, and so it's foolish to trust in deities who cannot save. To refuse to worship the Lord is idolatry. It's a grave sin condemned throughout Scripture. Throughout the Bible, throughout biblical history, idolatry that most of the prophets spoke against was the serving of pagan deities, beings that, that people worship specifically as gods. So those who worship pagan gods built graven images of these idolatrous images, and they constructed altars at the high places, sites where they worshiped within the land of Israel. Idolatry today exists within Hinduism, tribal religions, where professing Christians Professing churches, Christian churches, gloss over people's animalistic and polytheistic traditions. The Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 95, it defines idolatry as having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in the word. Idolatry can also be seen in the major monotheistic religions such as Muslims who worship the Allah, the Quran, and modern Jews who worship a unitary deity defined more by rabbinic tradition than by the Old Testament. Both of these religions are guilty of idolatry because they do not worship the triune God of Scripture. Idolatrous attitudes and practices do not need to be religious in the sense of being toward a defined God or need to occur within an organized religious setting. Anything that we love more than the Lord himself is an idol. Jesus makes this particular point in Matthew 10, 37-39, when he rejects any who love their family members more than him. In Philippians 3, 19, Paul identifies some individuals whose God is their belly, meaning their appetites were so consuming. Uh, Paul viewed them as worshiping their stomachs. Every fallen culture has idols, and so Christians must be sensitive to what the world is calling us to in worship in place of the one true God. You see, neither sex, nor power, nor fame, or anything else deserves a place of primacy in our lives. Only the transcendent, which belongs to the Lord and to the Creator of all, is deserving of ultimate worth. In John 5.20, John says, The Son of God has come, which refers to the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. In the incarnation, the divine Son has come into the world in human flesh. And so only those with faith and assurance in the Lord Jesus embrace the incarnation without reservation. And so John explains in 1 John 5.20 also that the Lord has given us understanding. And so John's use of words is interesting since the idea of salvation by right knowledge was essential to those countering the apostles' teaching. Knowledge of John and biblical Christianity is critical for we cannot know God without a revelation from the Son. And so knowledge is vital for salvation. Unlike the false teaching of John's opponent, knowledge leading to salvation is knowledge of the incarnate Christ, a person. Such knowledge involves not only belief in facts, it also involves personal trust in him as Savior and Lord. So John's point now becomes clear. Knowing him who is true, God the Father, is inseparable from being in union with God the Son, Jesus Christ. 
To know the biblical God and have eternal life is to be in the Son, Jesus Christ. Only those who belong to Jesus, who are disciples of his, have everlasting salvation. You see, the Lord demands our allegiance, but he also expects his people to keep themselves from idols, 1 John 5.21 says. And since there's only one God, Christians must never set up anything else in his place. Although it may not be the gods of wood or stone, Christians, we must be careful not to make our jobs, our money, our families, our reputations, or anything else the center of our affections. John Calvin is right on this point when he says that the vivifying light of the gospel ought to scatter and dissipate not only the darkness, but also mists from the minds of the godly. You see, idolatry is not a subject that is often covered, but it's one that gets to the root of the fallenness of man and our need for Christ alone. Our idols reveal our need for Jesus, and our lives are always before the face of the only true God, who sees and knows our thoughts and deeds. And so idolatry, it helps reveal the heart of man and what we value of supreme worth. And so the gospel provides a cure to the idolatry of man, showing where we find our true identity and value apart from Christ alone. And how we can, as the people of God, rest in him who we, who we are. We're, we're in him. We're in union with Christ. And so the gospel highlights our, our need to expose our idols. And the Holy Spirit does this very well through the teaching of the word of God to convict, to comfort, and to equip the people of God. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.